Good evening, everyone. This is Laurel Hightower uh, on Ink Heist, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host Rich Duncan and also um, Shane Douglas Keene, who is usually our co-host, but this time we're flipping the tables on him. He's going to be part of our interview crew, and we're also speaking with Josh Mailerman and Chris Campbell about uh, Carpenter's Farm. So welcome, guys. Hello. Hey, this hello. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. <laughs> we're so happy to have you all here. Uh, Shane, so good to talk to you. You know, we rarely get to speak. It's a, it's a big deal for us. So yeah, <laughs> it's like we, I jones for this shit all week long. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is this is just something that we've been really excited about talking to you guys about. Um, for anyone who has has not been playing along, um, Josh uh, has written a basically we're gonna call it a high wire act, uh, almost live. A novel that has been finished. It's a serial novel. It's on his website, Carpenter's Farm. Utterly fantastic. Uh, Shane has written companion poetry, and Chris has written just a beautiful uh, companion piece soundtrack to it. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. Uh, so, Rich, you want to start? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure most people are kind of familiar about, like, you know, Carpenter's Farm, but I was the one thing that I was curious about was kind of you know how all three of you and you know there's a whole bunch of other projects that went in with it um i know john skip also did music um michael bailey he wrote a uh, novella and jimmy doom wrote a story but the thing i was curious about is kind of you know carpenter's farm started as you know a serialized novel but then it kind of grew into this like collaborative you know multimedia sort of thing and i was just curious you know once that kind of got underway because i know it started uh with you writing the story josh but i was just curious you know once you know shane started doing his poems and the music came in kind of like the process like did you guys kind of work together in some way was it like a symbiotic thing because everything ties together so nicely like uh chris your music i listened to it and i thought it was great um i listened to it standalone yeah and i uh i kind of want to go back and like reread the whole thing but like with that playing in the background and uh same thing with you, Shane, just kind of like if you guys collaborated together, you know, once everything started getting rolling and kind of how that was for you guys. You know what our spirits did, but we didn't actually talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know Josh and Chris did, I think, but not, you know, I just read the stuff and listened to Chris's music and wrote. So I, I think, Chris, what um what chapter did you I know I know that you first sent me quiet theme and loud theme. But what yeah. what chapter was that? Three or well, four? Well, Josh and I, we, we had this the whole you know how this started was really interesting because um, a, a another author friend of mine, Ted Grau. I don't know if you guys know him at yeah. all. But, um, yeah. So he he and I we we've talked before and um, kind of just you know bounced around ideas of some projects we could potentially work on together. And he just randomly sent me this message, and, and I had already been following Josh. I just didn't see this message about Carpenter's Farm yet. And he sent me this message that, you know, Josh had posted this thing. Hey, I'm going to be writing this, you know, live novel. If anyone wants to contribute any art to it, you know, that'd be kind of cool. And he was just like, this might be up your alley. And so I think, Josh, I, I think really you may have only been on, I think maybe four, chapter four. I think it was, I think it was four. And I get this message from, you know, this guy in Atlanta, 
you know, I don't know, I don't know Tris yet at all. And I'm excited, right? He's like, hey, I wrote this thing. I think he sent me both the uh, quiet theme and loud theme. And then he was like, um, you said something in there, Chris, like, um, like that the, you thought the loud one might be silly or some, something where you were worried about the loud one. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> and, before I, and before I opened it, I was like, I mean, this could literally be anything, right? It could be anything. It could be disco music. It could be one note. It could be you humming, bang. It could be you banging on a lead pipe, <laughs> crying about you know, happiness. I mean, it could be literally anything. That was the first version, actually. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a, a lot of my poems started that way, too, just crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all this shit comes from. So anyway, so, so then I play it, and honest to God, right away, I was like, wait a minute, hold on, this is shit, man. So it's got the ominous tones of, like, this scary story. It has this acoustic guitar, like the earth of the farm. It has the this hint of a Western that um, felt to me like a showdown was, was going to eventually have to happen in this book, which, by the way, I, I hadn't necessarily planned on that. But because of that, it started to, like, sort of guide me that way. Anyway, the point is, right away, I, w- I was like, wait, this isn't good. This is like exactly right for this. And I I wrote Chris like out of my mind, excited. And he wrote back, all right, you know, I'll try like another one, whatever he wrote back. And, and then it very quickly became with him and I like, hey, I'm posting chapter six tomorrow. And then he would be, you know, in sync with things. And I started to send him and Shane, um, the chapter, like a few days before it came out, that kind of thing, so that they could be ready for those days. So that would be the answer to that question in a way, Rich, is that it wasn't, you know, there wasn't uh, any like checking each other. Hey, I'm going to write about this. You write about that. But there was sending them the story and organizing um, the release days. But then also there was the, to me, one of the most incredible things I was not planning on was the symbiosis of it and like a, a small or not small, but a literal example would be um, in one of Shane's poems. I think the one he's going to read tonight, there was a red brick path, red brick road in it. And I'm like, and I needed, I needed, um, I don't want to ruin anything. I don't want to spoil anything, but I needed a passageway in the book. And I'm like, well, oh shit, it's a red brick path now. And like just that, just that's a very literal symbiotic moment. But it that's what happened. Like I had no plans for that in the book. Shane wrote that. I'm like, that's the perfect image. Let's use it. And I started writing every um, every eventually every writing session. I was writing to Chris's soundtrack. And the longer his soundtrack got, the better that was for me because you know you don't obviously you don't write a whole scene in you know ten minutes, right? So the yeah. longer his thing got. I, but I listened to Chris's soundtrack every day for, geez, it must have been like however long the project took, minus the first couple of days. So there was definitely, uh, definitely, as as Shane said, like a spiritual symbiosis like started to happen, too. And and some literal stuff. Yeah, there was the literally even in, I mean, there were a few poems that I contacted Josh and said, hey, I got to use this line, man. And he just said, yeah, use anything you want, which saved me the hassle of asking every time. But so, yeah, there are some things that are verbatim from the chapter that I was writing about. 
and everything was written to Chris's music after I knew that Chris's music. First, I went, no, I don't feel like listening to that while I'm trying to write because I don't normally listen to anything. And then I started listening to it, and it's like, okay, this dude is, like, fucking taking me to Carpenter's Farm right Yeah, now. man. You know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I thought that was really cool, and I also find it interesting, like you said, how, you know, you guys kind of started off separate, and then it became symbiotic. Like, you didn't necessarily plan things with each other, but they had access to the story. And I find it interesting that you both, uh, you know, started writing to the music, too. Oh, for sure. God, yeah, I don't. I, mean, I don't think there was a choice. Yeah, there was no choice. And I'm. I. Yeah. I, I just talked to Chris about this today. Um, I'm absolutely 100% running vinyl of this soundtrack. With oh, uh, that would be great. Because to me, honestly, I mean, I, if and I know that Shane, you've seen it. I think I have so many horror um soundtracks in this office I'm in right now. Yeah. And Chris's Carpenter's Farm is, I can't name ten on this sh- on these shelves that are better. And I'm for sure fucking running vinyl of that. And Chris and I, again, we talked about it today. And I knew that early on, too. By song like, gosh, maybe even like chapter five or six, like a few chapters in, I'm like, if this guy goes the distance, this is going to vinyl. For sure. Hmm. You know? I've only been quiet because I don't know what to say to that. Other than, (laughs) (laughs) You know, Chris, that's interesting, too, to both of you guys, is that... And I guess you you to me also, like, there was also kind of a blind faith that each of us were going to actually finish what we were doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, Josh had such blind faith sometimes at like two o'clock in the morning. He'd say, hey, I'm running both of these chapters tomorrow. Cool. <laughs> 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 yeah, that happened a couple of times. And I was yep. like, oh, oh, can we curse on this podcast? Because I guarantee. This oh, is- yeah. Oh, OK. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, because I like I had barely mixed, you know, the first chapter and like had some ideas for the next one. And I was like, all right, well, let's make a pot of coffee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, speaking as someone who didn't actually have to do the work, I thought it was a great way to do things <laughs> just because it, I mean, be- because like the I don't know, the speed of it and, you know, the, the almost. I don't want to say boot camp mm-hmm. because it's not like it's not fun and art too. You know, it's not like force, but it's the necessity to move quickly, the necessity to kind of dodge with it. I just feel like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it, it gave a whole nother flavor to it. And I, it was really exciting to take part of, to watch, you know? I mean, for me, like that, that took me to school. I mean, it yeah. was just, it was really great to, I mean, you know, I, I I'm used to, to, deadlines but this was so different because this was just freedom yet at the same time knowing that you didn't have time to second guess yourself and to just keep you know there'd be times when I'd just be like gosh shit like I don't, I don't know if I have anything else in this world that I've created that I can make something new and just not use the same damn hand drum again or something like that and then I would read the next chapter that Josh wrote and I would just get inspired all over again yeah yeah. And that was just such a great, just creative exercise to go through that. Yeah, I, I felt uh, I felt like it was because when, oh, my God, after the announcement, I'm like, fuck, yeah, this can be great, you know. And then uh, when day one, when the first chapters went up, I was like, oh, I'm strapped into this now. <laughs> like, I have to write the fucking album yeah. now. And, I, and I, got, I got a little I got a little freaked out for a second. And I talked to Allison and I talk to my manager ryan i'm like woof, yeah it was kind of like a rush actually i'm like uh, i have to write a novel now but i 
it forced me to put my money where my mouth is, which is I'm always, for years now in interviews, I'm always saying that um, I think it's, you know, I think inspiration is uh, something almost like of an, in, an inverse monster, right? Where, where it forces you to wait for it. Like, like the real horror of inspiration is when it's not in the room, not when it is, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so the, I had oh, this, go ahead. I had this, you know, I'm always saying like, if you wrote, if you write every day, and you, you know, you starred maybe the days that you were in, you felt inspired or felt like writing, right? And you went back a year later and read it all. You'd have no idea which days were inspired and which days weren't. You, you'd have no idea. And so I just kind of, when the start of this thing, when I had that rush of like <laughs> this fucking horrific rush, right? I was like, okay, put your money where your mouth is. Just write every day. And, and it's all, whether you feel like it or not, like we're going to, this is going to come out fine. Yep. Um, I had this kind of the same thing. Well, first, you know, my first thought about this thing when we wrapped it up is like Chris and Josh and I are kind of the core three lunatics who did this fucking thing, you know, and everybody else was cool and jumped in with us. Um, but uh, Josh is the originating lunatic, of course. Um, <laughs> and that's what happened with me. I heard him. He said he said online, I'm going to do this thing. And I thought, that's fucking insane. And then I thought that. I really want to fucking do that. And it's like, Josh, can I do this? And total buy-in, and there we went. But it was like the most intense deadlines I've ever worked on in my life. And I had to I had to do something I don't normally do well, but I do better now, Josh, and that is fucking trust myself. Yeah. Because there, there was no time to question yourself. Like Chris said, you had to get the job done, and like you said, just sit your ass down and write even when you don't feel like it or you're afraid of it, you know, mm -hmm. so, you know, but, and Rich and Laurel can vouch for the fact that I was fucking terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The, it worked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. terror is your muse, Shane. <laughs> uh, I think deadlines are my muse. Get this tomorrow. Okay, it's done now. <laughs> yeah. yeah me too i mean i can i can think back to uh, me and my bandmates we used to we used to call them phantom deadlines right where we would we would have to have a new group of songs on tape in some form or another by you know april 5th like why that date i don't know but we and we would try to meet that date and if we didn't we like felt guilty about it like what the fuck were we like what were we doing like that we weren't even it's not like we were on some label or something but there was this sense of if you want to be an artist, you have to finish works of art. And the only way you're going to ensure that you finish these is if you put some imagined pressure on yourself, if no one else is putting that pressure on you. And yeah. so with the, you know, I did that with the, um, the boys in the band. We, we did that for years and that transferred immediately to the book stuff. When I started writing books too, like, I'm um, you know, not, not so much with Carpenter's farm, but, because by now I, I'm in a sort of groove with that kind of thing. But in the earlier days of writing novels, it was like, all right, I got I to gotta have this done by this date. And whereas that may sound like, hey, man, you don't want to rush a book. But I'm how do I say this? I've seen too many books like slip through people's fingers or something like books and works of art can be slippery, man. And you can turn around in five years and you're like, oh, fuck, I never I never finished that, you know? Yeah. And so. Those early days, it was like, get this done because it's more important to have, to me, it was more important to have a pile of pages I could work with 
than no pile of pages at all. And so that philosophy and working with the band and also with the band um, recording lo-fi and uh, on four track recorders and cassettes and blah, blah, blah. So there was a, a sort of do it yourself um, aesthetic with the band. And I, in a way, I feel like Carpenter's Farm was like a live album. Yeah. Like, like I yeah. feel like I, like when a- I, if this ever comes out, like in a hardback or something like that, I don't know that, I don't think I want to change any of it. Even if, even if I can make it a little better. I think that it's a live album and let it be a live album. Yeah, I was started to go in and change some poems that I wasn't perfectly satisfied with, even talked to Rich and Laurel a bit about it. But then I made the same decision. You know what? That's what we did and the way we did it and the way it happened. And that's really what went on as it happened, you know, so let it stand as it as it naturally became. Yeah, and that that's such an interesting point, like you said, Josh, like thinking of it as like a live album. And, you know, I think you're right that you should kind of leave it like that, because um, like I told Shane and Laurel about this back when you first announced it and kind of even before, you know, Shane decided to do the poems or any of the other projects is that like I can't remember like, I don't think there's been anything quite like it as, as far as, like, you know, storytelling, um, at least in, like, publishing and stuff like that. Like, the closest thing I could kind of compare it to was almost like that thing Radiohead did with, like, In Rainbows. But even that's not an accurate comparison because that was already finished. But, like, I think it was, like, a really special experience, you know, for people to kind of see it as it happened, Man, yeah. I, I wonder what it looks like from the other side. Cause yeah. Memphis, it was like, I almost felt like I was in like a sweat lodge. Like I went through like, <laughs> I went through like a fucking spiritual like typhoon in this, in this office with that one. Yeah. Uh, same that's, here. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it uh, is, yeah. And I mean, especially like the experience of getting to, to read it as a serial, you know, in, yeah. in that fashion to, cause I was of course, you know, jumping on it every Every time I got got a hold of it, every day it was posted, and Same here. I, yeah. So I mean, I love that aspect of it, and yeah, I love the comparison of the live album because it is. It's like I just feel like one of the most exciting things about writing and publishing and and music and everything right now is just the different formats everybody's doing things yeah. in, and this this just feels like this great inventive, just a very cool format, you know, that was all put together in this fashion. Um. So yeah, I think that's a great I think that's a great move to just kind of leave it as is. And I think like the this would be an amazing experience no matter if, you know, well, hopefully when we do this again, you know, even a year or two from now. And but there's just something so special about just the timing of this that everyone's in lockdown. Everyone just misses being around humanity and just authenticity. And I, I, I hope people experience this way. But just being able to see these, you know, potential strangers on opposite ends of the states doing this thing, putting their hearts out there and people just being able to see these authentic people. Like someone posted a thing kind of early on that just said art will find a way. And that just like, I mean, that brought tears to my eyes. Just, me too. you know, thinking about just the fact that 
this was just such a perfect time for it. And it's like Patty Smith once said, you know, there's these little pockets of time that sparkle and as atrocious and horrific as this time has been for so many people, health wise, financial wise, you know, you name it, having something as an escape that was such a beautiful expression, um, you know, even in a terrifying story, (laughs) people just contributing to something that have, you know, some of us have never met before, I think was just, you know, we couldn't have planned this. <laughs> no, nah, and you know, that's the thing that the word beautiful is. It was a beautiful experience for us, you know, and I think that helps to make, to really emphasize that because we were all doing it initially for the same reason Josh initially stated. I want to give you guys something, a little bit of surcease and maybe some escape during these times. And we all kind of bought that and we all kind of let that live with us. And, that kind of came out, I think, you know. Um, but some other things came out of that when when these other people, like Chris was talking, that we've never met or some of them never heard of, even started joining in. Um, one thing, and I, I I'm not bragging, just I haven't told you two guys this, told Laurel and Rich, but uh, probably one of my number one idols on the planet is uh, the great John Skip, hmm. and uh, he he said the other day on Facebook, I loved your work. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me, man? I'm done. I can die right now and be happy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. John Skip, man. I was just thinking about all of his books today that I have, that I've read. And I did the forward for one of his books and to have him swoop in and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to do like, you know, 30 minutes of music just like suddenly out of nowhere, you know? Uh, yeah, John's, John's as good as it gets, man, as a person and a writer. And I'm, you, you all know, I'm not just saying that, saying that he's, he's like, uh, he's the real fucking deal of that guy, but that's what he wrote you, man. Um, yeah, he did. He commented on something I posted and told me that, oh no, when I contacted him the other day and told him happy birthday, he said, thank you. And then told me that. And it's like, okay, your birthday is happier for me now than it is for you. (laughs) Well, Chris, um, how, uh, how have you ever participated in any, anything that sort of like combined like this? How, how, what made you decide to kind of jump on? Tell us a little bit about, uh, more about your, your work with it. Well, I mean, you know, for me, my background before I started, you know, getting into the, the composing world and you know composing films and stuff like that you know i i was touring in a band and you know my history is much like josh's and you know the idea of just um you know being able to be spontaneous and and quick and like you said a live album you know we had a band (laughs) and you know being in the composing world most of my time is just in my little dungeon by myself and i don't really play with anyone live anymore and um, this was just a, a refreshing, you know, reminder of how fun that is. Yeah. Um, and that, and I think that's the thing too, is it was so important to all of us that, you know, it just really added to that energy and that, uh, live band feel that is so fucking perfect, you know, of an analogy to what we did. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I the one thing that was cool is kind of like how you guys touched on is that you, you know, all come from different backgrounds and you might not have like known each other beforehand, but how you 
like basically kind of, you know, all became friends through this and were able to like mesh your works together. Like, I think that's one of the coolest things about this. And like, I was inspired by it. Um, you know, both the music and the writing and just everything about it. Um, cause you know, sometimes I struggle with, you know, writing stuff or creating stuff, but it definitely inspired me like seeing you guys do this, you know, I think it was three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and like Laurel, I tuned in every time. So it was pretty inspiring just to like kind of watch everything unfold and see how all of your guys' art kind of inspired each other. Yeah, man. It, it, it felt like, um, it felt akin to like when when it when it wrapped, it felt akin to like summer camp coming to an end, um, which is a, unbelievable considering the circumstances we're all under right now. Talk about building your own reality, holy shit! Um, it felt like we were like, ah, shit, I can't, I don't want to leave camp yet. Can we stay for the next, you know, session? Like, you know, I, I wanted to start writing a uh, another book the next day. Yeah, like seriously, it was like, all right, can we just do another one? Um, we we even talked about it briefly when we were getting drunk together. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and I haven't stopped thinking about it, man. And then um, one of the things, Rich, that got me through, or has through the years got me through um, any sort of roadblocks, but certainly when writing one live, is that we've all read Lemons by our heroes, you know? We've all read books by our like like and seen films and and poems whatever that we were like yeah okay you know by like our in fact there's even in my like favorite books that I've ever read there are even sections where I'm like eh you know like there's a hundred pages in uh brothers Karamazov where I'm like oh man he should have he should have took this out meanwhile that like I, I like would you know take a sword for that book right so when yeah. you when you sort of think of it in those terms it's like okay, why not do this? And and if it's, eh, if it comes out of lemon, well, that's okay. That's all right. You know, a Hitchcock had some lemons too, you know? And it's like, that helps too. It kind of removes, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it's, I don't want to remove pressure because I love the pressure and I love the deadline, but it turns the pressure into something rather than facing you. It's behind you. It's propelling you a little bit. When you say to yourself like, all right, if it comes out bad, who gives a shit? There's something, there's something romantic about writing a bad book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally know what you mean, because like I said, I I'd struggled with it for a while. And uh, just recently, I kind of got back with it. And a large part of it was, you know, this project, you know, just in general between, you know, your your uh, novel and Shane's poems and basically everything. Like you said, it just kind of uh, inspired me because I've known Shane for a long time and. You know, I just seeing him put these po his poems out there because I had read them for, you know, years beforehand, you know, that kind of inspired me too. like you said, like, why not just do it and instead of, you know, thinking about, you know, well, what if people don't like it or whatever, just kind of doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the battle at that point in time, you know, and uh, before I forget this, because I will forget um that one of the things, if you were when talking about inspirations from each other, if you were to read those poems with an eye on Josh Mailerman, there are fucking Mailerman Easter eggs all over in those fucking poems. 
there, you know. So there's a yeah. lot of inspiration right there because I drop I drop shit that referred to Carol and to Black Mad Wheel and to Bird Box and and nobody has said a fucking word to me about that. Yet. So it's like, um, it, is it too vague? <laughs> no, I thought that was really cool. I mean, uh, like even before you had kind of said it to Laurel and I privately, like when I would read them, you know, I could see it. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought you did it in a good way and kind of how you threaded it throughout. There's another thing that I feel like Shane um, writing the poems did, which was there. This is interesting. Um, if you can imagine it as like, let's say um, uh, I, I don't want, I don't want to put the spotlight on me, but let's say I'm like a baker. Right. And I'm trying to bake horror. I'm trying to bake horror brownies. Okay. And, and I'm like, and I'm like, okay. Uh, so we got the buildup going. Mm, you know, there isn't. Uh, is there enough horror yet, honey? You know, like, and then Allison's like, ah, I think you probably need a pinch more horror. Well, guess what? Shane added that with a poem, and then the book was able. To, and then Chris added that with the like fucking awesome, like dreadful building music. So the book was able to breathe on its own and build up until the really up until chapter nine. I think the dinner scene. It was able to build without a quote unquote horrific scene or something because, well, a few factors, but because I, th I think that it helped that Shane's poems and Chris's music sort of like rem would remind a reader like something scary is coming, something weird is coming, something dark is on its way. And, and I, I know the book has that itself, but I was able to like think that way. I'm like, they were like, it started to become like ingredients, you know? for like what everyone else was doing. Oh, even, even, uh, the, the photos that were sent to me, um, this guy early on that was, um, sending Hans Curtis was sending me, uh, illustrations he was doing early on. Um, Kat Scully sent me an awesome illustration that she did. The, that guy, um, that did the, uh, the fucking drinks. Um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Started, that was awesome. to feel <laughs> so like, started to feel like, Okay, it's understood. The mood of this is understood. So I don't have to. I never felt like I had to force the mood in the story. No, not at all. Um, and I mean, it was one of those things, like you say, like, for instance, not to spotlight myself, but just talking about that general subject. Um, I forget which chapter it was. One of the later chapters, um, the narrator's walking down the road with a with an axe over his shoulder, and that's not mm. a big spoiler. I won't go any farther with that. But um, Chris's guitar, I was hearing Chris's guitar the whole time I wrote that poem for it, you know, and I was listening to it too. But I mean, it just really, really gave me oh yeah the, the momentum and pace that I needed for that <laughs> oh, piece, man. you know. Dude, I fucking love that soundtrack, man. And dude, when when yeah. when this shit gets back to normal, well, you know, God willing, whatever. Um, I really, really, really want to um host some sort of like Carpenter's Farm party up here, where like Shane, I don't know if you fly, but hopefully you would for this. Um, and then I, I want to get you guys out here and like, well, if the book ever gets picked up, then we could do like a release party and maybe the soundtrack part of it live or something. I don't know, but. I want to have a freaking listening party for that fucking soundtrack. Yeah. Everyone I know. Oh, really. that'd be so good. 
Yeah. yeah. And it, even yeah. if it costs like some money to make it happen, I just, I want that. Oh, maybe once the vinyl is run, hmm, there yeah. could be like a, like a release <laughs> night kind of thing for that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. Because yeah. then, yeah. yeah, you can you can play the vinyl during the party and yep. on auto and repeat. Serve the drinks. Serve, serve the drinks, the special yeah. drinks that were created. Yeah. I know. I haven't been able to get to the liquor store to make any of those, but they sound right. delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got so hammered with you guys, I haven't drank since. <laughs> uh, I recently took a pretty good break, too. <laughs> but, but uh, you yeah, know, that, that was a fun time, though. It's yeah. funny because it's like it's not here's, – here's something, like, extraordinary, and every writer, musician, artist will, will understand this. Um, usually when you finish a work of art, it doesn't come out the next day. You know, like, like, especially with publishing a book, right? Like, oh my God, you finish it. Like if I finish a book tomorrow, I mean, it won't, it won't come out for two years. And while I, while I may maintain the enthusiasm for that book for two years, I'm also likely to be three or four books deeper into some, you know, insane uh, career arc or whatever I'm on. Right. So to the, the holy shit satisfaction of immediately putting it out, and immediately the poems come and immediately the music comes. And I mean, my God, it felt like I was like snorting chapters, you know, it was like. The- <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect fucking analogy. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, something. That- uh, no, go ahead. No, that's OK. No, I was going to say it. And uh, it, I don't know, this this was just like kept popping in my mind. I was trying to think of like how to how to word this. But, you know, to me, I, I think. The most remarkable thing about all of this, and I know some of what I'm going to say, Josh, you're not going to hear, but like so many artists, once they've reached a certain level, you're so protective about the thing that you make that the idea of just bringing strangers along to not consider their work just, quote, fan art, but to be like, I'm going to hitch my wagon to this and we're going to do this thing together there's so much humility in that and it was just such a beautiful like welcoming thing that that's what created the community around this book fucking is that you, amen chris yeah right, is that well on. yeah that you didn't have this you know arrogant asshole in the middle of it that's just you know waiting for people to bow down to them about it but you know he's genuinely just a good dude <laughs> and yeah. you know that made people want to contribute but not just contribute, it opened the door for people to make their own art that's been inspired by this. And it's no, you don't feel that any part of it is any less or, or more than, you know, the the greater. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not the writer, so my words aren't as, you know, elaborate. But <laughs> And I can vouch for a lot of that, man. When I, I mean, even going way back, uh, when I first started bumbling my way around trying to figure out something to do in this industry, um, Josh was probably maybe the third writer at most who was actually nice to me and talked to me like a person and made me realize that, hey, these guys are fucking people, too. And, you know, that's just another another indicator that um, he is that person that it seems on the surface that he is by the way he did these things with Carpenter's Farm Um, because he's that way with everything and don't argue josh it's just the fucking truth and we're gonna say it whether you want to hear it or not man yeah I'm like i'm turning red over here i we started a band, man we started a band that's what happened and you know what 
that was our album this year. I can't fucking wait for our album next year. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Absolutely, um, man. Uh, everybody laughs at that, but uh, we have actually talked about that. And, I got uh, the perfect one, guys. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I, prob- I probably said all this when I was wasted, <laughs> but I think I, do. I think I got the perfect one for it. <laughs> I was I was wasted too, and I don't remember, but so you probably did. <laughs> you know who was really interesting um, that night that we celebrated? Todd. So the webmaster Todd yeah. Jackson is a really interesting guy. He is super a really interesting. philosophical. Yeah. Guy, but that was my first face to face with him, guys, and I've been working with him for like years. And um, so this really all started when Todd, I had planned on writing Carpenter's Farm in April. Like I said, I just give myself these deadlines. I'm writing it in April. Okay. So Todd called me in like March or February. I think it was February actually, and he was like, "Hey, do you want to put a new short story up for free on your website?" you've had the same one up for four years, you know? <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. Um, let me see what I have. And I looked and I didn't have anything, which is rare for me. I was like, ah, shit, I don't really have anything. And then I was like, well, I could write one. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to write. I want to write Carpenter's Farm. And so I asked him, listen, and then, and then this is exactly when the lockdown started happening and it started, it revealed itself to, to me in very bright colors. Like, look, we can, we can put a free thing. People can experience this for free. People are tight on money um, or, or just want to experience um, something serialized that isn't TV, right? Like something just different. You know, it's, you know um, we could be like giving something away and doing something weird and original. And as you said, Todd, um, replacing the free short story. And he, the like, honest to God, there was no deliberation, no deciding. He was like, yeah, we, yeah, absolutely, we can do this. He had ideas right away. He, he is the one that suggested we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. He would send me the night before, usually late night, um, like 2 a.m., he would send me, like, the layout of the chapter, and he would explain to me why he chose those colors. So the, the capital letter I that's in red, that's because of the red brick, red brick path. And then the, the green um, is because, you know, the willows play a part in this chapter. You know, he would, like, tell me things like this. In the New York City stretch, which is five or six chapters, things seem to be getting, like, darker and darker in the book. And the chapters get a little bit darker, like, literally a little bit darker. Um, like, Todd was sort of like an unsung hero in all this, not just the know-how. He was philosophically involved. And... Meeting up with him when we like celebrated, because I've talked to him on the phone so many times, and to see him and to see like the thoughtfulness in his eyes and to see his his je- mannerisms and his gesturing with his hands, I was like, this guy's fucking awesome. <laughs> you know who he reminded me of was the uh, um, in Wilco's uh, making of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, the former editor of Rolling Stone magazine, like the smile wearing glasses. Oh yeah, David Frick. Yeah, he made me yeah. think of that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Super cool. That's just crazy because it just the I don't know, that just all seems like such kismet, like for for you know, for everybody to be kind of drawn into this project and to and to kind of build on and everything. Uh, you know, part of the reason I was laughing is because I, I kind of can't wait for your next album either. I'm just going to be kind of standing at the front, yeah. waving my lighter, screaming. If it works so. out the way we want it to, Laurel, it'll be a motherfucking symphony. 
Sweet. Mm. I'm in. <laughs> and if it's a lemon, it's a lemon. Who cares? The soundtrack will be great. <laughs> uh, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. We'll have fun and we'll have good music come out of it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Uh, no pressure, Chris. <laughs> yeah, we can't both. We can't all three of us suck. One of us. Yeah. <laughs> One of us has to shine. Uh, don't fuck this up, Chris. <laughs> but I was gonna cry while I was banging my metal pole. I, mean, <laughs> I thought this no, was my opportunity. <laughs> that might work for the next project, man. Just feel it out, you know. Dude, you couldn't. You couldn't compose a bad song if you fucking tried. Uh, get out of here. You could, <laughs> you could stand there and explain to a monkey exactly what sounds you wanted, and you'd still get it done. <laughs> I do. I love. I love the message. Just overall, of like, you know, fuck it. So what if it's a lemon? Because I mean, I feel like especially. Again, just right now where everything just is so off kilter and sometimes people are having a little bit of a hard time finding their creative vein or finding their track, you know, just to be able to get back into it and just be like, okay, it may not be the same thing that I wrote last time or it may not be for the same audience. It it may be just totally, you know, just the idea of just plunging in and doing it anyway. I think it's just it's very necessary. Yeah, Yeah. it's also also kind of sophomore album-ish, you know, where it's like, okay, the next time we do this. I'll be more fucking terrified because sophomore albums often fail miserably. (laughs) (laughs) Never return to the scene of the magic. You know, that that's like a a rule of mine. Never return to the scene of the, never try to recreate, you know, but then, but this is different because it would be a whole new book and a whole new uh, set of poems and a whole new uh, soundtrack. So, and, and a whole new poet and musician or music. Yeah, I should say magician, but musician (laughs) and author too, really. I mean, and yeah. that's I told I told Josh the other day I wanted to share something, and I'm going to right now. Um, this thing took a poet who was basically dead in the water, and a writer who was dead in the water, and um, like Laurel said, she kept calling up boot camp, and it was perfect because it's kind of how I approached it, and out of it, I came out with confidence. And a work ethic, a lot better fucking style and ability, and and the epiphany of the things that I need to do to make sure I keep that up and get that better and better and better, you know. And that's not I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying this experience is what gave me all that stuff, yeah, you too. know. Took a dream of mine and made it true, you know. So. That's that one you do have to take credit for, Josh, because that's all you, man. You're the one who started this shit. (laughs) Well, that's fucking incredible to hear, dude. That's incredible to hear. Well, let me let me know if you start to slide at all. I'll send you messages at 2 a.m. that says you've got a deadline at six. So (laughs) (laughs) and we're releasing four chapters tomorrow. Hey, full disclosure to everyone in the world, um, or, you know, all 12 of our listeners, um, Laurel Hightower uh, was uh, my uh, proofreader and my editor on a lot of those fucking poems, and they would not be as good as they are if she had not been in the mix. So. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Um, I had two proofreaders. My actual editor at Del Rey, Trisha Nerwani, I couldn't believe this, man. I... I 
ran the idea by them because I, I have to. Mallory's coming out in July. I, I have books signed with them beyond Mallory. And what am I, suddenly just release a book without talking to them, right? So, I, and I, I was nervous about that step, obviously. They'd be like, what are you talking about, dude, right? But no, not at all. They were like, this is great. This is creative. Yeah, this sounds like fun. And then Trisha says, hey, I'll even proofread it for you. I was like, are you, what? Okay. So I sent her each, I would like finish chapter. Well, usually I gave it, what would I do? I'd give her like, like the next, like, like I would give her three a week or something like that. However it worked out. And so she would do it. And then also I had a friend, Chris Brown, that would catch some like wayward shit once it was already posted. Like he was the one, he would be like, so you already posted this, but you know, um, Todd could easily go in and make a change. So, so Trisha and Chris Brown like made it. If you read Carpenter's Farm right now online, you might be like, this guy never makes a mistake, you know. <laughs> but but I thought this was written live, you know. But yeah, those two were the pre- the proofreaders. That's awesome. That's cool, especially yeah. Del Rey, man. That's like unheard of in the industry. I'm not gonna make any fucking money off of this, but I still want to read it. You know, it's like, really? Are you serious? <laughs> I know. It was truly like I I that that was the major first step. Right. You have this idea. Todd's on board. Then you call Delray expecting him to be like, maybe do this after Mallory or, or something. But then that, you know, after Mallory, I, hopefully we're not all stuck at home. Right. So it was like we wanted to have a now. What do you think? And they never. Yeah, there was never even any debate. They were like, sounds great. And it will help. That's amazing. blows my mind but uh in a good way in a good way you know and that's this thing that chris was mentioning earlier this whole pandemic thing and you know the psychosis of america right now um it's it's brought a lot of shitty people out of the woodwork in this country but it's also brought it's also emphasized the good ones it's brought the good ones together. They do things for others, you know. They they support each other. You see, you see, in a lot more of that in so many different ways, you know. Bands going on and giving virtual concerts from their living rooms and shit, you know. And I mean, everybody just doing something, not making money off of it, just trying to give some give people the same thing we were trying to give them, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, just on like a smaller level, I don't know, I, I, Jim O'Moore and I were talking about our, our kids are both single, you know, only children and, and uh, both very social. And we were just talking about, you know, how we kind of feel a little bit inept in entertaining them. And one of my buddies just messaged me. He's like, hey, let's have a call. Let's have our, our toddlers talk to one another and try and hang up on each other. And you know, it it was it was chaos, uh, but you know, it was just it was something that kind of helps just across the world. So it's yeah, I've really liked that part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know, I I got on um, you guys know D Alexander Ward. I got on yeah. um, I had a Zoom session with him the other night, and it was just literally because I've I've done many Zoom sessions um, but business right business related. That sounds so weird, like book book and film side related stuff. And um, and then but just the other night, just hanging out with the Alexander Ward, swapping at book ideas. And we talked for two hours about like just like uh, I have this idea. I don't know where it's going. I have this idea. It was it was really great. It's awesome. Oh, that, that is, is pretty good. awesome. Yeah. We had we had him on with uh, 
few other guys not too long ago too. He's a good guy, and uh, if you've read any of his writing, he's pretty pretty good writer too. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. If you ha- if you haven't, find a book called Beneath Ash and Bone and read yep. the fuck out of that book. Yeah, it's great, dude. And he yeah. and he told me he's working on a western, and I'm like, oh man, you're this is gonna be fucking great. He told me what it's about, but I won't I won't ruin that. But <laughs> I did want to say something about just the serialized novel in general, like. Like with, um, you know, when we think of Dickens and uh, I think Don Quixote was done that way. And, and then obviously the Green Mile comes to all of our heads, too. But like it, it really I want to now go and read, you know, a Dickens novel knowing because like he was doing installments that were like, geez, man, like 30, 50 page installments. Right. I mean, they were big installments. Right. They weren't just like. Like some, I had a couple days in this, you know, where we put out a chapter that had like five pages. Yeah. I started thinking like, man, what the fuck? I don't, in other words, I want to do some research and how often did he release? How long were each segment? Like, I I just don't know. Do you guys know? Do you know like the, like how exactly how uh, Dickens novel was serialized? I know he was prolific. I know he wrote fast and a lot, but I, yeah, I don't know exactly. But uh, as, as far as I know, it was a monthly thing that Is he it was monthly? doing. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, so he's like fucking Josh Malerman of the 18th century or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, explains <laughs> why his books are so huge because. At the end, okay, at the end, when we got to the end of Carpenter's Farm, um, a friend, a brilliant writer, wrote me an email saying, hey, you shouldn't end yet. Like, I, you know, make it twice as long. You know, it was, it, was, it was a nice email, but there was a little bit of, like, she meant it to that email, too. And, and, I'm, and, and there was a little bit that I considered doing it. I almost wrote you guys and been like, hey, we're not done yet. <laughs> and, then, and then it was yeah. like... It was like, no, 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 this is done. But I understood how easily in this delivery, this way of this way of doing this, how you could go from, man, from 300 pages to 600 in a blink. I mean, I, I could just see it. I could see how quickly this could keep going and keep growing, you know, because there mm-hmm. was like a momentum. There was a, um, uh, a routine to the releasing of it. But you know what else, man? I think that Carpenter's Farm, you know, okay, um, you know, Netflix and Shudder and those guys, if you're listening, I think it'd make a great fucking serial TV show, you know, and yeah. so it be- because of that, because of that quality of it, that it could just go on and on and on and on. And I don't I don't know how many years it would take me to b- before I was not inspired by Carpenter's Farm enough to keep writing, you know. Yeah, well, I I wrote her. I was started to write her back. Like, uh, I'm gonna consider. And I was like, No, 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 no. You're not considering this. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that a few times. <laughs> I, I've had a few authors tell me, Hey, I'm right. I'm writing this book. Um, you think maybe you want to do something like what you did with May Lerman? And I'm like, um, Really? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> But I want to. Every time they ask, I start to go, fuck yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I would love to see, I would love to see the casting on this as, as a serial too with, with, you know, with Netflix or Shutter or something, because it's, 
Um, I've, I've had I, a lot of conversations about that with my wife, actually. Oh, yeah? Uh, just casting in general, like who, who she pictures, you know, of course, especially as Tracy. Oh, what's what got any insights for us? Well, she saw like a, a, a Kristen Stewart kind of kind of character, but I, I saw the whole cast as at least having more. They're more weathered, you know. Yeah, I, I got a little. Yeah, I get a, I got a little bit more life experience from him than that. I, I haven't been able to stop picturing Tracy as as Tracy Robinson. Um, I, yeah. yeah, I do that, too. But I also <laughs> if you ask me who would I cast if if uh if it was um, Sigourney Weaver when she did Aliens, I'd say that's who I would cast as Ooh, Tracy. That, yeah. that would be good. That would Tracy's be good. a mean ass motherfucker. You know, I mean, she's cool, <laughs> yeah. but but she's yeah. she's got steel underneath. You know. Yeah. I just I loved the whole uh, uh, just the interplay between all of them as acting friends in New York. I thought that was just magnificent. And I was curious, Josh, how I mean, how when you started that, when you decided that those were your characters, did you know how much that was going to play into into the plot? Well, um, that's hard to say, because yes and no. And yes, the reason I say yes is because that was the um, lightning strike for me, for myself. I had I had attempted um, a story about a farm where what grows there grows there um, a couple years ago. And I made it 40,000 words into that book, but it was at like zero, like the like Carpenter's Farm, the book now. Um, and I, it, it felt more like, God, I don't even know what it felt like. It was just, it was, there was just no like character or story to it. It was, I was just really obsessed with the idea of these crops growing there. These personalities growing. And so years later, um, in February of this year or whatever, I was struck with, oh, oh, it's a group of thespians. They they drive from New York and they and they're they're that's what it is. They're not from Gibbons. They're not from Michigan. They're they're visiting Carpenter's Farm and they're in the big city and they're they're all in the same you know artistic circle, the same. So that that so I knew it was going to play a big part because that was pretty much like the diving board, really that moment. But no, I couldn't have known because then I start, you know, when you start, it started to become like Russian dolls a little for me where I'm like, so they're actors whose personalities are changing. And then they even have to maybe possibly act like themselves. But do they know themselves? Do can someone know themselves? So if you had to act as yourself, could you act as yourself? Like, you know, and it was just like, you know, like I said, it was like a sweat lodge in here after a while. Um, right. So I don't think I knew that, but I do have a number of books that deal with um, the theater in some way. And I don't know, I'm trying to think real fast if any of them have come out yet. Um, no, the closest, I'm looking at my shelf right now. I could answer that for you. <laughs> the, the closest, oh, uh, in Goblin, there's the magician, but that's, and that's, and that's in a theater. Um, Unburied Carol has always felt to me like um, um, each chapter was a vignette, um, like the curtains part, here's these two together, blah, blah, blah. But I actually do have a few books that are, that do directly, like there's one about a horror playwright. There's another about a child actor on the stage who sees someone in, in the audience. And then he also sees that person in the audience when he's 80, but that person's the same age, blah, blah, blah. So I, I'm always, and it's like a fantasy of mine to open um, a horror theater here in the Detroit area. Like oh, something God. like Grand Guignol, but here, that where the lobby would be 
um, horror paperbacks, horror like bookstore. And then through the, you know, through the theater doors, it's like Grand Guinal, like five, six short story plays for the night, maybe Allison stars in all of them, um, you know, practical effects on stage. So it's always on my mind, like trying to, you know, writing books like that. But I don't I don't want to write every book about that kind of thing either. So I knew it was going to I knew it would play a part. Yeah. Damn, I'd love to see that happen, man. Absolutely. But, you know, if Same. you ever if yeah. you ever do that and you need someone to play smoke, that's me, not Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> not really. No, I'd love to play that character. <laughs> but I have no courage, so you know, don't fucking ask me because I'll just say no. <laughs> oh just... man, Shane, you'd be so perfect for Wildtown. That that group of um group of us that do the theatrical readings for all the books I'd love um, it. man you would be outstanding you would oh god chris you i mean it would just be amazing because i usually play you know you know live music while christy narrates and while allison acts and anya acts or runs the lights and jim plays the guitar i mean they're pretty pretty thrilling stuff of that i man i wish you guys lived right here to be a part of but we I do too. that for carpenters yeah. If that ever comes out in a different way, hmm. yeah. Am I the only one that would like really early on just went ahead and started referring to the narrator as Josh? Um, that's exactly <laughs> what I did. <laughs> I, and I was like, oh, well, this is Josh. Exactly. <laughs> I just don't feel like Josh would have been the one who stayed out of it. He'd have been like, screw this job. I'm going to the damn farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would have been more like Rodney and, or something. I would I would have been, I think our bomb, I think I would have been sort of, I don't want to ruin anything, but I, I don't think I would have fared well on Carpenter's Farm. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I'm afraid I'd have been like, I will take a big heaping bowl of that. That looks interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that would be my problem too, is I'd take fucking second. Seconds. Right. Yeah. And, and eat the rest of whatever the person next to me didn't eat. <laughs> I had so, yeah. a few recently where they were like, if you, and it was a great question, and she's, this woman's brilliant. Um, but she was like, you know, if, if you're on Carpenter's Farm, what trait would you eat and why? And I wrote her back, I'm like, you realize you're, you're asking me what would I change about myself, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this is, a, this is a real, okay, I'm going to answer this. But this is a real fucking question. This isn't just like a very personal one. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to be as honest with her as I could get, you know, but I I feel like that could be a book in and of itself. You know, what trait what what trait I would eat if I went to Carpenter's Farm by Josh Mallory, you know, could be like 300 pages of like just like whatever mental monsoon. Is anyone here willing to answer that question? Wow, I don't know, man. You know, you said that, and I started thinking, well, yeah, that'd be a killer series of poems, you know? Like, okay, what what does this jar do and write a poem about it? And what does this jar do and write a poem about it, you know? And oh, not yeah. necessarily a happy poem. Oh, yeah. No doubt. <laughs> because, because, like, in the... And this is something... This is something I did get from that 40,000 I wrote before, um, is that they're kind of twinned, right? Like, let's say your husband cheats on you so you eat some forgiveness because you want to you don't want you want to you want to make this work so you eat this forgiveness so now you forgive him but then you also now maybe start to feel like a floor mat because like you, you yes i forgive you but you are also walking all over me now like i'm no longer upset that you slept with 
Susan, but I am upset that you don't oh, seem to be bothered that you slept with Susan. Yeah. So it's like every, or I'm going to eat humor and this will make me funny, but at whose expense sometimes? And then, so does that make you brighter and meaner? And so when I started to think of personality traits in those terms, it, it, in a way, it's careful what you wish for, right? Not, not careful for farm, but, but personality traits, right? So what would you eat, right? I mean, it's not an easy question to answer. No, it isn't. At first you said that, and I thought, well, I'd just jump right into confidence. And then I started remembering what people who just jumped right into shit did in Carpenter's Farm. <laughs> like, well, you know, I hope I would opt not to eat any of it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's, but, I mean, I think that was something that was so central about it is just like, yeah, I mean, like you said, Josh, like that, and that would take some contemplation is realizing what goes along with it, that it's not, it doesn't go on its own. It's, it's not existing in a vacuum. So yeah, like Shane, my first thought too was confidence. Um, because that's been, you know, my whole life, like I've just felt like I was kind of just meek and always just afraid of things. But the older that I get, and also part of it, I feel like is maybe raising my son is looking at how some of those traits have helped shape me into the person that I like being. You know, that if if I'd been more like, you know, my siblings that I always thought were much braver, that I just wouldn't have ended up exactly where I was. It's just where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is an interesting question. But in a way, those things that I said to um, you guys earlier about, you know, the things that had changed about me while we were writing this, I, I have kind of started viewing those as, you know, me drinking glasses of traits, you know, because I picked up the work ethic which i didn't have a real strong one when it came to writing before you know and i picked up the inspiration and the drive and now i create to probably unhealthy levels at this point in time you know but <laughs> but it's earned but it feels good to my the, soul well and it's also i mean it's 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 earned so it's something that has built on aspects of your personality that were already there Whereas, you know, like Josh said, if you if you drank a if you drank a glass of forgiveness, it's not forgiveness that's based on working through things or, you know, really coming right. to a clear understanding of your relationship or right. anything like that. It's just yeah. a it's just erasing a feeling. Yeah. And what would it do? Um, I mean, when you think about something like that, OK, so I ate this forgiveness and now I've forgiven something that was totally fucking demeaning to me. So what did that just do to your self-esteem? And right. your self-confidence, you right. know, like I said, yeah, so many bad things could go wrong, you know. <laughs> and then, like, wow, Oliver must have drank like a jar of gall because the gall it took, like, <laughs> the gall it took to assume that you knew these people well enough to change them, like, like that. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to. Maybe this is a spoiler alert if somebody is listening, um, that hasn't read it, um. But the moment where Tracy kind of realizes, like, uh, yes, things are different, but I'm not fundamentally different means that Oliver never fundamentally fundamentally knew me. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of you wrote, actually, on in that chapter where it was beautifully written, just the way that you said that, that it turns yeah. out that I have a friend that never really bothered to know who I really was. Like That, that was awesome. That, that and floor. this is like, thank you. And this is, like, proof of that, you know? Yeah. You know, I in a way, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I also wrote uh, basically those same things in a in a poem for that chapter, not in those words. But it's like that concept and that image that you painted with those words made me go, um, holy fuck, man, this is where I copy my heroes, you know, so. 
that's apropos of nothing other than that observation. Thank you. Man. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I I think that um, you know, this is the older I get, the older I get, the more I um, because it used to just be like with books, it was like, how do I explain this? Like I, I used to almost feel like the idea alone was enough, and then um um, I just kind of trusted that my worldview or me or whatever would my voice would come out in it, right? But the older I get, you can start to feel when a book um is this maybe a special one for yourself when you realize that it's not about personality traits growing out on a farm. It's about the inevitability of friends drifting apart. And that's, that's when you start to realize like, Oh, this one, there's something going on with this one. Um, and it happened with writing Mallory as well. And it happened with this one called Igorov, which I got, I would love to release Igorov today. Um, and where it's like you realize like, yes, there was a great con- or not, you know, I'm not trying to sound like I'm patting myself in the back, but there's a conceit you're super excited about. There's an idea, this the, the scenario that you're thrilled about. But the moment, you know, halfway through the book, whatever it is, and you realize the scenario is now overshadowed by the relationships, by the characters. Holy shit. Now you got something. And it doesn't yep. happen every time. And it doesn't have to, you know, like the Twilight Zone. We don't we don't walk away crying from episodes of the Twilight Zone. We walk away saying, "Holy shit, what a great idea!" And it's one of the greatest TV shows of all time. So it, you don't always have to strike that you know emotional chord necessarily. Scenario conceit can save the day, can deliver deliver the goods. But when you do see it, and when you see it in in I don't know what the equivalent necessarily would be in music. But when you um, maybe in poetry, it's when you realize that it's about um, the meaning of it more than the form of it. And with the novel, it's it's when you when when you realize that, yeah, it's like the characters or the or the um, life situation they're in starts to overshadow the actual scenario that got you started writing in the book in the first place. Then you're kind of like, OK, we got something here. Well, that's just kind of like, you know, fuck genre <laughs> like yeah. it's it's a scary story but if that's all it is who gives a shit yeah and if you don't care about the characters well if they get their head chopped off uh that was cool but like and yeah. that's about it but like the first time when i really started to to see that friendship um you know just as Josh was just kind of really, you know, expressing that and i wrote the the friends theme that kind of comes up a few times during the score like Writing that is just this, like a, you know, as I was just playing that super simple guitar piece, like I'm, I'm thinking about all those friends that have drifted apart and stuff, and I'm teary-eyed playing this thing, and I'm like, that's like, you know, once we get to the scary stuff, that's what makes it, you know, worthwhile, <laughs> is yeah. because there's so much rich, you know, you actually care about these people. Yeah, there's huge, huge humanity in the in the thing. Um. And that, like you said, that word genre, um, genre, I didn't think about genre at all, and I don't think about it at all without the other stuff that I write, even that whatever it is I'm working on now that's fiction. Um, but uh, this one, I mean, it just defined itself. You know, I didn't try to write horror. I just tried to write words that I was moved to write by the instantaneous reaction to both the music and the stories, you know. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's super interesting because, you know, Laurel, do you um, do you ever feel what's the right phrase? Not feel bound by genre, but like like we're all so thrilled um, with horror and we're all so madly in love with it. You know, it's like I and I understand being elastic with it. Of course, I I've been doing that for my whole life, I feel like. But do you ever feel, Laurel, like a little bound, like I'm going to write a horror story or do you is that just what comes out? I feel like for the most part, that's what comes out. And I I, I actually feel <laughs> a little bound in the other direction because um, what I <laughs> what I hear a lot with my stories is, oh, it's horror. That's actually that's really hard to sell. Could you could you maybe just write girl on a train? And I feel like it's so hard for me to write something that doesn't have horror in it. Um, and, yeah. And fuck that sexist attitude anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it's I think it's more about like, hey, that's what sold, you know, yesterday. Yeah, I know. And uh, <laughs> you know, but that's you know. Um but yeah, I mean I kinda I see feeling bound by a genre in that sense because also too, if you feel like you're being herded in a different direction to it. But but I do think that my idea of what fits into that and what I feel kind of moved to write has just changed drastically the more sure. that I've been, you know. I yeah. think that's yeah, that's I think that's hugely it. Yeah, me too. I, I think that, you know, um, God, I guess I'm going to say this, but I feel weird saying this. But like when I was younger, um, like when like a Magica and, and those books were coming out, it was like, oh, he he's fantasy now or something. Some like absolutely ridiculous take like Clive Barker now writes fantasy, not horrors like like he left the club or something insane like that. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, yeah. But, I, you know, I was young. Right. And we've then, all been there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and year, years and years later, I'm like, are you fucking out of your mind? First of all, magic has got the weirdest, scary shit in the world. And second of all, who gives a shit? It's like it's amazing in and of itself. And so my my concept of the genre has has stretched, you know, and what I consider that to be that. But sometimes I don't mind being strapped in. Also, sometimes I don't mind the idea of like, I want to write a scary book. What's it about? I have no idea, but I want it to be fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. The, but the and the thing is, it's so there's so much crossover when you really start thinking about what horror is, you know, and you think about guys like Cormac McCarthy and S. Craig Zoller and you know um, other vastly elastic authors like that, um, and those a lot of the books those guys write dwell heavily in what I think of as horror country, especially like Blood Meridian, you know, um, and A Congregation of Jackals by Zoller, you know. Oh, I'm going to read that book. That's the wedding one, right? Uh, yes, it is. Is it awesome? It's fucking amazing, man, and brutal, though. Very brutal. It's, it, everything Zoller does is brutal. I mean, Bone, <laughs> bone Tomahawk is evidence of that. Oh, man. So, <laughs> we called our friends to watch that movie and didn't warn them about the scenes later on. <laughs> <laughs> that's Half like, the time doesn't occur to me, though. But it's like when I'm watching horror yeah. and someone gets, I'm like, oh, oh my bad. Yeah, I forget. That's actually no, I know. terrible. I know. <laughs> I love the and you're watching it with someone and you're like, oh my God, I'm, I can't fucking believe it. I said I love this movie and, and they just beheaded the entire family. <laughs> <laughs> You're oh, in good man. company here, though. Rich, <laughs> yeah. and I, Rich and I sometimes will uh, watch like a real gory movie like Terrifier or something simultaneously and kind of just tweet about it or, or message yeah. about it back and forth while we're doing it. 
And I mean, we I always feel kind of like we're the most morbid motherfuckers on the planet, you know, because it's like, okay, the clown grabs a chainsaw and saws this chick from her crotch to her head, you know, wow. and we're going, that was fucking epic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, not a lot of people would think so, Shane. <laughs> More because, like, too, like, because uh, that one, I think, was mostly, like, practical effects, right? But like, like you said, like most people would be like, wow, that's pretty messed up. But it was more of like, you know, kind of the creativity that went into it and like the practical effects, which, you know, that's one thing that I kind of liked about, um, you know, some of these more recent horror movies is it seems like, you know, a lot of them are going back to that versus, you know, like CGI or stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. The pendulum yeah. swing. Well, and some really, really uh, story-driven stuff now, you know. I mean, yeah. obviously, obviously Bird Box comes to mind. Um, but then, you know, you think about uh, the Tim Levin one, I'm drawing a blank on, The Silence, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, I mean, people are taking these things and putting story into them and making that what the damn things are about, you know. And they, which they always have to some degree, but they seem more... I hate to say it. I hate to say elevated horror. with passion. But I mean, there are pieces that just yeah go there, you know. Yeah, which this is kind of off topic, but this it, what you just said kind of reminded me of uh like last night. I don't know if all of you guys have seen it, but the movie uh, Wounds that's based on the Nathan Ballingrid story. I watched that on Hulu last night, and, you know, there's not really anything, like, over the top about it, but, man, that movie creeped the fuck out of me. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on Hulu, and I it's I haven't read the story it's yeah, based yeah. on, but uh, it was based off the visible filth, which I oh, think yeah. this is horror put out. Um, that's a... Uh... An amazing, amazing novella. I believe it was a novella, my brain. So, yeah. I want to um, go back and read that now that I've seen the movie. Yeah. See, I'm, I have, I'm superstitious about that. I don't watch a movie I haven't read the book for yet. Yeah. I'm usually the same <laughs> way, but I, I, I couldn't wait. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, we, we digress. I wanted to ask you guys, although I'm not technically the host, um, but I'll ask you, uh, and I'll answer too. Um, Josh, what was your what was your favorite uh, Chris Campbell track? Um, hmm. Well, I love Ollie made dinner. <laughs> Fuck, that one's crazy. Um, but it also I love that for a couple reasons number one in and of itself but also because it um, the I guess in step with the book but that's when the soundtrack starts to become really far out also you know Um, but then again the theme the theme itself which by the way Chris Allison learned on the piano the other day Oh, nice. <laughs> the theme itself. Oh my God! And when you brought it back the um, halftime, and then you bring it back at the end, and and I didn't want to 
and, and you know I didn't um, uh, advise or even give any suggestions like that. But I was hoping. I was like, oh, yeah, I hope he brings it back at the end. That'd be so fucking great. And then like, and he and he did. And the the theme itself just spoke of showdown, like, but not quite a western. It was like, it was like it could be modern thespians from new, in New York. It could be on a on a farm today, not in the old west. It wasn't like. You know, like the whistling, you know, Morricone soundtrack. It was like, it was like this, it was just a dash, just enough that you have a feeling that these friends and Oliver will, this will come to a head at the end. So I think the theme is, it's like my favorite part of it. But honestly, dude, as you know, it's like, I don't, all of it, man. Fucking all of it. Yeah. (laughs) I would have to agree with that. I would, um, I would say, I don't remember titles real well, but I would say, the piece for um chapter 15 i think it was um for the most part uh if i had to call if i were drunk and you said which one's my favorite i'd I, ah fuck man this one <laughs> like 75 times throughout the course of the night after that you know <laughs> but like you said the theme is just amazing you know, and it gives you it's that's another one of those points of insp- inspiration where I started repeating elements in the poems after I heard the theme and then heard it again. And it's like, well, that's a fucking great idea, man. Keep riffing on that, you know, so it's possible people got fucking tired of hearing of the red brick road from me and tarot cards. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you guys hear it? I, I put on chapter 15. Can you hear it or no? Yeah, you can. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Dude, this is so good. Is it loud enough? You're like getting it? Yeah. So it's shit like that 
<laughs> that makes you makes when you say Chris Campbell's name, you have to say the great Chris Campbell. Yeah, man. Dude, that's one out of like nine. Uh, how many? Tra- how many fucking tracks are there actually? No, out of thirty. Like that's one out of like you know like thirty tracks, whatever it is. I mean, it's just I'm not fucking around when I say that I can't name ten that are better, dude. And that I, was actually that that one song that that was kind of fun because that was sort of an example of um, just fi- finding ways to just I don't know keep kind of allowing this creative exercise to stretch me as much as you know I I would let it and knowing just how acoustic guitar driven the the score was anyways I had this idea for a few chapters that I just wanted to do a song that. The percussion, the strings, like every single, the bass, everything was all recorded just on one guitar. And so that's what I did. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, so, you know, the, the bass on there is, you know, tuning down the drop C and all that kind of stuff. And then all the drums were just played on the guitar. And, uh, amazing. So. Interesting. I didn't even, you know, it's, it's funny, like, um, wow, I we could do an entire show of you explaining these things like i you and i've never even talked about that what you just said <laughs> yeah yeah that's really interesting to me i love that too because i just i i love writing to horror soundtracks because i i, I get very distracted if i get a lot of lyrics but i just yeah. love that just super creepy mood so yeah and that was one too that that uh i'm i'm that's the one i'm gonna read part of um was the one for chapter 15 that be just because it's my own personal favorite, you know, um, and I wouldn't tell my other children that, but this is my favorite <laughs> one. Yeah, so. But I mean, the point is, and we've talked about inspiration over and over and over again, but I don't think this was just inspiring to Josh and Chris and myself and Michael and John. And I, and uh, I don't remember your name, doom. Um, but, uh, it, uh, will be super, super in- inspiring to the people who re- listen to it and take the time to experience the whole experience, not just the novel, not just the poems, not just the music, not just the stories, everything is, it's highly inspirational and it's, and in a time like this, it'll make you feel good, you know, so that was all. Awesome. <laughs> That's our hope too. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, and you guys don't have to say if you don't want to, but if because I know you mentioned that this was like your, you know, kind of first album, and that you want to do this in the future, are you thinking that you might do it kind of in the same way, or would you guys collaborate like a little bit more closely the next time around? I wouldn't write the poetry any other way, but go ahead, Josh. Well, I know that, um, I don't, you know what, Shane, you might do it differently. Cause you, you could write a batch of poems that I read. And then I'm like, Hey man, I want to write the novel of this. I mean, who knows? Right. And oh, then fuck, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then like, or Chris could do the music first. Right. And then what do we write from that? I, I do like the idea, um, of changing it up just for the sake of changing it up. But yeah. then it's also like, Ooh, it worked. It worked. So there is a sense. I, I don't know yet. I don't know the answer to that yet, Rich. Yeah. Yeah. That would be kind of interesting though. Like you said, kind of taking it the other way. 
Especially I, if you took it from Chris's music and then we both took our inspiration directly from what he was yeah. making us feel. I, you know, for me, I mean, I, I'm game. You know, I'll try anything once. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but <laughs> you know, for me, like, to you know, I'm not, I'm not the greatest songwriter. I'm not the best guitarist. I'm not the great, greatest piano player. But I'm just, I, I love story. I'm, I'm a film geek. You know, I, I love books. I just love a good story. And for me, my music is best when there's a good story that I'm giving life to. Um, I, I'm not the greatest at going the other way around. <laughs> All right. Then then we'll keep it as we got it. No, we'll see. <laughs> um, and that's the thing is, is like you said, Josh, that that worked. You know, so that that was why my knee jerk response was, no, I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. But yeah. but um, that's just because I tend to be a superstitious person naturally. Um, and then you said it in a way that made me think, well, yeah, I probably could be convinced to do it differently. You know, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah, or even um, not even necessarily switching up. Like, even though that that would be a cool idea if you guys did do it that way. But I guess like since this one, it kind of started as the book first, and then like gradually you guys kind of came together. And then even though it was spontaneous, um, like when oh. you would split the chapters, just kind of like if you guys would all three get together and be no, like, but okay, that's, this like, is Rich, a- that's that's interesting because like the next time around doesn't have to be quote unquote live. We could just serialize it. Yeah. And I could. If I finish, I mean, I have 23 other novels in this office right now that aren't out yet. If I, like, let's say I gave both of them a novel right now, right? This one, let's say. And they both, you know, Chris took his time, Shane took his time. Like, we could release, um, that'd be interesting, yeah. That'd be interesting, like a coordinated release, you know, like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely interesting. That would be really interesting, especially going into it on the on the publication end of it where you're not the night before going, fuck, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. It's 4 a.m. I told Josh it'd be up at seven and, you know, um, you're, you're kind of, but then you're just uh, scheduling your releases and kind of taking it casually. Well, so that would be east, Then you'd get a little more sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you're screwed on this old deal, man. <laughs> nah, I, I, ne- I never go to bed before four anyway. So, so it's all good. I'm an insomniac, and I and I write mostly at night. Yeah, me too. Well, there's our awkward silence, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was still just thinking about how, like, how cool the whole project is, and um, like, I I can't wait to see what you guys do next because, like I said, I've never. I've never really seen, not that it would have to be, you know, like you said, Josh, live every time, but even that initial thing, I've never really seen anything like that. Or, you know, even if you guys took your time and kind of got together on your own and like just planned it out and then released it when it was finished, like I've never seen anything really like that as far as, you know, taking different mediums, you know, like different forms of prose and music and stuff like that. So I think it's, I think it's really cool and I can't wait to see like how you guys kind of do that. And like, even if you, you know, if it was like you three and then maybe you guys even did something different, like, you know, 
you guys got together and then invited different kind of uh, artists together, like, you know, maybe yep. someone would make a film or something like that. Yeah. I would have yeah, really loved if we had... Why not? Yeah. I would have loved if we had a more regular um, visual artist, you know, going along with us. I think that would have been awesome. I mean, well, we had a lot of, like, you know, contributions, but... You, know. you And you became um, a major, like, visual artist with the videos you were making. That was, like... Oh, that was the greatest thing in the world when you would send me one of those, Chris. I was like, oh, fuck, I can use, I can post this everywhere. It's so great, you know, with the with the sliver of the music and the, I love the one with the, um, the slow pan over the fields with like what seemed like rising ghost spirits from the fields. I absolutely uh, love that video. <laughs> and what, what chapter is that music? That's, um, do you know, do you remember exactly which chapter that music was? That's from, um... Was that 26 and 27? Oh, I yeah. love that one, man. Yeah. I love those two, yeah. That stretch is like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 26 and 27 were, uh, I um, wrote those both together as a pair. Actually, 26, 7, and 8, all all are better read together. But so we we that's another thing we just kind of symbiotically riffed on, Chris, is that a few of them where I felt like the poems were interconnected. You also said the songs were interconnected. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, because well, I, I always saw it as a film. And, you know, if you're listening, the way that would end, if you're watching the film, you would in no way stop right there. Right. <laughs> you right. Know, you'd lose your mind if you did. So I, I would, that's when I would connect those. Yeah, and that was the thinking behind releasing, as you know, releasing certain chapters uh, on the same day, or that kind of thing. Because it was like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you can't stop right there. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those ones where um, Josh had said we're releasing 26, and then like um, the the night before, I don't remember when, um, he said, hey, I want to release 26 and 27, and I thought, okay, no biggie, you know, I'm I've I've done this a few times now. Um, but then I started, I, I hadn't put 27 in my head yet. Cause I try not to until right before I write. Um, and I did and I went, well, yeah, I'm glad that he said that because this, this belongs with that other one. There's no yeah. fucking way they can go up separate, you know? So. I loved, uh, a lot of the the art that you found, Josh, that would you, you would post sometimes with the chapters. So I just felt like that. Ah, thanks. Yeah, I get I get a lot of inspiration too from art. I love I love having, um, especially like original paintings uh, hanging in my house and just like you know stuff that just is really just evocative. There are a number of times, and Chris knows this well because um, I would send them to him the night before and be like, "What do you think of this one? What do you think of that one?" Um, and and he would tell me the ones he liked best and stuff. Um, but. There were a few times where I found myself like I would find like a really horrific image or something. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think that's I don't think that's right for Carpenter's Farm. I, even if it's a horrific thing happening, I felt like it should be more like that feeling, that ghostly feeling you get from like a good painting versus like, um, you know, just like a deliberately gory image or something. Right. But yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. a huge fan of both those things. But in this book it just kept feeling every chapter even as it was escalating just kept feeling like no 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 stay with you like you could almost walk i would love to walk through um a gallery that had every image that i used 
like on the wall. And I would love to yeah. like, see all that together and see how that room feels. And walk through the story. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because because it wouldn't have matched with the feel of the story either for it to be overt like that. It's I mean, you know, because part of the horror of it is like is, you know, if you if you had this narrator trying to flag down somebody to help him, like, how do you even describe what's wrong there? My friends went to go visit our other friends. It's horrible. We have to stop him. You know, I mean, and and it's it's just the feeling of everything just being off. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Early on, I told Josh that a lot of the images that he was already picking reminded me of my great grandmother's house. She had this painting on the way up to the the bedrooms that my sister and I would stay in were basically in the attic. And there was this painting on the way the stairs up there. It was terrifying. There was nothing wrong with the painting. It just was unsettling in a way that you couldn't explain. And all of those paintings just like put me right back in that space. And I was like, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That is, um, yeah, I can't think of anything I ever really, as far as visuals, I love visual art. I am a very, very poor visual artist. Um, and by poor, I don't mean just broke. I mean, I am do it poorly. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking at it, uh, I was always a fan of the morbid stuff, the Bosch stuff and, you know, just personal preferences. <laughs> I've got this uh, just beautiful, huge painting um, in my living room that was done by an artist that's fairly local here, and she paints guardian angels. Uh, She was in some kind of like a just a horrible car accident, was in a coma for like a week. And uh, the painting that I've got is the first one that the first guardian angel painting that she painted. It was the first time she saw any. And it was hers that she saw when she was waking up. And it's this it's very like visceral. It's very like deep red. And it's got these angels in it and and just sort of this way that you can see, you know, kind of rising towards the light. But they kept it in the upstairs attic of this uh, art gallery because everyone was horrified by it. And I don't know, it was just something that like when I saw it, I just I didn't see it that way. You know, I saw it as very yeah. just very evocative and very cool. But I, I also kind of was always glad that everyone was horrified. So they kept it in an attic and waiting for me. I appreciated yeah. that. I think most of us that are drawn to horror see it that way. Uh, like, I, I don't see the things that I'm drawn to as just, ooh, I like it because it's scary. Like, I see beauty in it. Yeah. And it, there, yeah. there's so much more depth to it. But I mean, as you were describing that painting, like I had goosebumps immediately. And I'm like, yes, like there, that's. It's beautiful. Like, you know, people are afraid of things they don't understand. <laughs> yeah. you, want, you want art to make people feel, though. You know, you want them to react intensely. Um, you know, and I think that was kind of all our goals with Carpenter's Farm, too. You know, you want to have you if it doesn't affect the people who are consuming it, then um, you better really love what you're doing because you're the only one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Well, but it's I also think that it's it's such a great I don't know, it's such a great observational piece, too, for writers in this genre who are just starting out or or in any genre. But in horror, that's something that I'm learning slowly is like the more sort of suggestive, the slow build, the the just the different, you know, the different way of doing things. And and yeah, this is like it's it, it felt like very tense, you know, but it, but it's also just a, a totally different build. It's a totally different way of looking at things. It's just it's not anything I could ever have come up with. And I, I you know, I think that's something that's very good for writers to study is is to see something going forward like this. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. 
Go ahead. I, th- <laughs> I thought I was gonna get. I thought I was getting through a whole fucking episode without doing that. But Can we? Uh, hey, Josh. Hi. <laughs> um, it did take me five minutes. Um, stuff. <laughs> so I don't have that much time. Um, but um, Shane, I want to hear you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't. You know, you probably want to build it up better than what I just said. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I, I was trying to resist a smart ass comment but I'll tell you what it was because I started to go why is my fucking mic muted or can't you hear me <laughs> um, yeah I will uh, read this thing and say the reason why I'm reading it and I think I'm just going to read an excerpt I, I might read the whole thing but I don't know if I have the balls so I committed to a stanza that's most important to me in this and probably most important to me in all the other poems because it introduces a key element in um, in Josh's story. Um, so anyway, this one also, you know, pay attention for those uh, Easter eggs I told you about because I had actually called this Easter egg hunt and that's why I expected someone to fucking get it. Um <laughs> <laughs> But so here, this was for chapter 15. I have never read my poetry aloud to anybody in the world before except myself. Um, okay. Time is a mad wheel circling itself, and I am a twisting trail, smoke wafting down the myriad paths of my, of me. I am the monster in my own fucking closet. I know this, have been will be forever possibly or until I become a crumbling brick in the bloody red road that now leads surely to Carpenter's farm Um, there's a sun that rises in the west and sets again each evening in the west if you walk into it someone else rises from the ashes of your flesh and bones your chattering teeth rattling around in a head full of foreign ideas The death card is the one you draw when everything ends and begins simultaneously. The spark ignited, extinguished, glass filled and drained. The box emptied, occupied. The birds flown and settled to roost. A murder and a creation under scrutiny. Inspection. It is the point you realize that the only things concrete are up and down. The worst part about finding yourself is reaching the end. And that last line is Josh Mailerman's from Carpenter's Farm. And that's it. That's the whole fucking thing. Yeah, man. That's perfect. <laughs> awesome, man. Good that's job. Awesome, that was awesome. great. Yeah, I've Thanks. been waiting to hear you read your poetry forever. That's awesome. I'm, yeah, you that we got to be a part of that. Yeah. I, I realized early on that I got kind of like a whiny Jewish voice and then like I don't really like I don't really work so well with like when I try to read my shit out loud. Like I would be like, uh, Mallory stands in the kitchen thinking, um, uh, she's the, uh, you know, there's two kids in, uh, under chicken wire down the hallway. And I'm like, Oh geez, it sounds like Woody Allen. Like, <laughs> I wish that, like Vincent Price was around for the master class, you know, how, how to talk like me, <laughs> you know, something I would, funny. I would, I would buy that fucking class. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. You know, something funny, Josh is, uh, when you, uh, got up, I don't know if you'll remember or not when we were drinking and you got up to go um, take a break for a few minutes and Todd and 
I think Chris too were still there. Um, and I said, I mentioned that you sound kind of like Woody Allen. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and they, <laughs> but they looked at, they looked at me like I, they were fucking mortified. I said that it's like, no, no, no. He said it first. <laughs> you know, I would not ever do that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I, I when, when, um, when a Harbor, Harbor Collins, when they were like, now you go on a book tour, and I was like, book tour, what, what do I do here? And they're like, you just stand at a podium and read your book. And I was like, um, no shit. Wait a minute, no, nope, that's not how this is gonna go. And so you know, so like, like a lot of great art, um, all the theatrical readings were kind of born out of a stage fright or trying to or limitations. It was um, like, you know what? If you're not great at reading it, then then let's 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 someone else read it and you do something else. Yeah, or or uh, or I mean, and Allison reads them fucking great, but um, you you could also sing them though, Josh. You don't sound like Woody Allen when you sing. Thank fucking Christ. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool, man. You should you should record all of those, Shane. You should record them all just to have them on like you know, audio. I've been thinking about it because well, I, so many. I told you that too. I I wanted you to record it so that I could put it over. Uh, what chapter was that? Um, was it twenty six and twenty? No, the first time we introduced the field. Yeah, I've been thinking about it because I've had a bunch of people telling me, you know what? If you're going to be a real poet, you're going to be asked to read all the fucking time. And I just got, I mean, all of a sudden. Um, I just got like, you know, fucking existential terror. What the yeah. fuck do you mean, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just don't think about that part. That's, nah. that's, that's a problem for another day. Uh, what I do when I, when I was actually practicing reading my poetry aloud for that very purpose um, is I just uh, practice uh, singing warm-up skills. You know, I just go down and force it out of my diaphragm, and that keeps me from sounding like I'm going to cry. <laughs> well, um, did you guys have anything else you want to cover with it? I know Josh said you were you said you were getting a little bit limited on time, so we we can wrap up. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? I mean, yeah. you know, I know that it's been expressed in this conversation, but I mean, really, what are we doing if not gunning for experiences like the one we just had? Um, which is, you know, every time you sit down to write a book, you hope it's you hope it's a magical experience. You hope it feels like summer camp that you don't want to leave it at the end and, and all this. And most of them are extraordinary in their own ways. But there was never one quite like this one. Not for me. This is the 32nd uh, novel I've written. And man, it was this experience. What it, you know, I, I'm glad, really glad with how the book came out. Obviously, the music, the poems, everything. But it, it, it doesn't even matter if those weren't um, like up to snuff or whatever. The experience of doing this during this lockdown, knowing that people were getting it, picking out the paintings for it, you know, working with Todd as well. And it just it was extraordinary. It was like, this is what I'm gunning for all the time, which is like, I, you know, like a transcendent, you know, artistic experience. And this truly, truly was and wouldn't have been if not for the the team aesthetic of it. And so I know that this has been expressed already, but I mean, I, I kind of want to thank 
Shane and Chris for um for for playing along, man. It was uh-huh. it was absolutely phenomenal for me and numbers and you know it's right up there with the most glorious artistic experiences of my life so far. Yeah, it it is the most glorious one of my life. You know, what it's the first one that uh, changed me as as drastically as my art has ever changed me. And the first one that I felt like the change was a really fucking good one, you know. And that I don't think I would have had that epiphany if it wasn't for the whole um, symbiosis, the team, yeah. you know, um, yeah. the band, you know. And uh, I will be forever grateful for the rest of my life to both of you guys for that. And to John Skip and Michael Bailey yep. and Doom, whose remem- name I still can't remember. Jimmy Doom. There you go. What a name, right? That's the yeah. coolest name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Cindy O'Quinn's photos. And again, Trisha for proofreading. I mean, just, just the entire thing. And then just the people who are just reading, you know? And, and it's just like, and you guys for here we are talking about it on, on your podcast. Just everything about it. Just, I don't know. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. on one level, you just, you just want someone to read it and have their own experience. And I, and here I am, you know, like weeping with joy about it. But but hey, man, that's where I'm at about it. It was yeah, just I am too. tremendous. I am too, and I mean that's why I contacted you the other day and and just impromptu said, hey, come talk to us on Friday because it was it was a selfish thing. It was not for you. It was for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have been really chomping at the bit to talk about this. So. Glad I stayed sober for this one, man. If we had broadcast the last one, oh boy. If that, was, if, that was Zoom, if that was a Zoom, oh man. I don't even, I can't even, because later on, Chris and I listened to the entire soundtrack. I think we lined up, right? We lined up our own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I can't even imagine what Chris saw because I was so high and drunk, man. I, I can't, I mean, the Zoom was still on and I was like just gone, like listening. To, I was inside that soundtrack. Uh, we, we were both there. We were both yeah. there. It, it was and, good and, yep, and drunk people don't know where they keep their weed. <laughs> I don't think you could ask for a better but, party. Yeah, I, that sounds perfect. I went into that. I went into that thinking, oh, I'm kind of bummed we're not airing this. And about halfway through, I'm sitting there going, "Thank God, uh, I'm, yeah. get, I'm getting fucked up, man. I'm so glad we're not airing this." <laughs> it got to the point where, like, I always know that I'm like at that spot when I start to tell like a story or something, and then I forget where I was going, and I'm like, "Uh oh, we've reached that spot. <laughs> we've reached, we've reached that point where where there's no more retrieval." So. <laughs> Josh has left the building. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna have to pretend I was talking about something else. Uh, it was a blast, man. Next time we should do it in person if we can. Absolutely. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and also, man, if we do not do something like this together again in our lives, my life will not be complete. So, yep. I, I'm committed. I'm in. I'm in. I think I have the idea for it too. Yep. Awesome. Yep. You did have the idea for it, and you guys heard it right here on Inkheist. So, you know, if, if these guys say no next year, I'll just play this to you guys again. And you can- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love you guys, man, very awesome. much. Yeah, Will thank you all man. so much for coming on. It was so good to speak with you all. And, and thank you for Carpenter's Farm. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. Oh, right, thank man. you so much. Hello, Rick. It's an honor. Thanks for, uh, yeah. thanks for hosting this. Thanks for 
Thanks for letting us all like gush about it for a while, man. That was uh, <laughs> I needed to do that. And, and really, thanks, thanks for that. Really, yeah. Rich, and, Rich and Laurel, thank you both too. While I've got you here, and I will shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> very, very much, both for hosting this, for asking me to do something that I would not have volunteered to do myself. As far as when I asked if we could have Josh on, and they said, "Well, can we ask you questions too?" And it's like, "Well, fuck, I wasn't planning on that." <laughs> but, but I'm glad you did, and I thank you for that. And I also thank you for every other fucking thing you guys do in my life. So yeah, no, no worries, man. And yeah, it was great having you guys on, and we really appreciate it. And it was cool to kind of you know hear more about Carpenter's Farm, not just you know necessarily as a story, but kind of as you know a project and like a movement between like all of you guys yeah thank you so much guys this is blessed yeah, yeah absolutely. you know these are the only two dudes i've ever wanted to have a baby with and i'm hoping we have another one. <laughs> <laughs> you need a brother or yeah. absolutely it's a brother though if my idea is what i think it is i think i think there's a brother on the way oh <laughs> man <laughs> Uh, I want I want you to hit me with that as soon as possible, man. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. Peace. Right. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful night. All right, you oh, too. Man. Bye, guys. Bye, Emma. Yes. Bye. Is somebody gonna hang the fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.